That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Well, Jake, it is time for those fake roses made out of cloth petals with those uh, hot glue gun fake water droplets on those petals and boxes of chocolate shaped like hearts. Um, maybe we can get a candy endorsement, like a sponsor mm-hmm. for this podcast, see what we can do. What do you think? I, I, have, I have never understood why Mel's not into that cloth rose with the glued teardrops. I mean, for me, that is, that is a symbol of love and affection, and, uh, but it's never, and the weird little white teddy bear with the red, you know, um, with the red heart that says, that- uh, I love you. That's like, that's what it's about. It's the pinnacle of class, actually. And I mean, nothing, right. nothing says I've been thinking about you for a long time, and really trying to get you something that would convey. I mean, I have, I have been doing the same thing for over twenty years. One of those white teddy bears, a cloth <laughs> rose, and peach Martinelli's, and I don't understand why every <laughs> every year I'm on the couch. <laughs> it worked in high school. Yeah. Well, don't you give up, Jake. You stick with it. Yeah. You found a, a system. You you know, don't if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I think uh, I think this year I'll add a little shy to the mix. Do you remember that R and B band Shy? <laughs> I'm more of a color me bad guy myself. Yeah. Well, praise um, God. It is uh, it is Valentine's Day this Sunday, so uh, get on that, everybody. And then, but it's also the last Sunday after the Epiphany. And uh, the Epiphany, you know, it's been all about revelation and the idea that uh, the light has entered into the darkness and Jesus is the Savior of the whole world. And those three big Epiphanies were the visit of the Magi, the baptism, and then here it always comes to the conclusion with the transfiguration. And so um, we have our... well. Before we jump into that, how are you doing, Aaron? Oh, Jake, you're so sweet to ask. I'm doing all right. Thank you very much. Any uh, any romantical plans planned? Jake, I uh, I am like St. Paul, the one who is in marriage, should consider themselves as unmarried. Um, I'm surprised <laughs> that you would think that I would even have those kinds of thoughts. And yeah, that's clearly, good. your level of sanctification is far below mine. I don't but know. We, with a, but our listeners yeah. already know that. Oh, yeah, by the yeah. way, this Clear. one goes out to you, Jim Zucker. I was talking to this my buddy Jim in Houston, and he was listening to one of our recent episodes, and it got a little spicy. It was one of the ones where we, I don't know, it was some kind of inappropriate R&B group of the 90s or something, maybe. <laughs> anyways, oh, it was so. probably the thong song one, yeah. <laughs> don't even say it. Don't even say it. So anyways, maybe, maybe it wasn't even that one. Maybe it was like a precursor. We were... We were huh? in the in the in the mood that day. So, anyways, all that to say is, Happy <laughs> Valentine's Day. Keep it chaste. Yeah, that's good. You well, okay, Jim Jake? Zucker. 
This one's for you. I'm all right. I'm all right. You know, uh, I, um, I am, you know, we're pre-recording this. And as I am um, getting ready for the last Sunday after Epiphany, I'm always thinking about like well into Lent and Easter prep by now. And, um, and I'm just like, you know, what are we going to do? So anyway, we will see. We'll make it happen. And, um, but nonetheless, let's dive into the readings. Let's do it. The, the Feast of the Transfiguration, it's when Jesus, uh, to quote the VeggieTales, gets real shiny. But before that, we had this long, somewhat, uh, I'm not going to say impenetrable reading, but it's sort of a long reading that's kind of, it's some heavy sledding because it's Old Testament, it's, out, it's sort of ripped out of its context, and uh, yeah, it's just, there's talk of mantles and places that are unfamiliar to a lot of people and just anyways it is it is transfiguration-ish though yeah so that's i mean the big idea here is it's included because at the end of the story you have the prophet elijah whooshing up to heaven on a whirlwind chariots of fire this is where the you know the movie i don't know it so you've come on you're a christian how can you not Worship at the altar of Saint Eric Little. He was the uh, you know the guy that didn't run on Sunday. So again, sanctification higher than you. So uh, this passage uh, ends with somebody whooshing up to heaven and uh, and sort of the heavens opening up kind of thing. And so that's why it's sort of connected to this transfiguration. But also it's connected to this day because one of the people that we will meet on the Mount of Transfiguration in Mark chapter nine when we get to that gospel is. Elijah. Elijah. So this is introducing us to Elijah uh, and showing us a little bit about him. Uh, so uh, that's that's kind of what's going on here. And in this scene, we have Elijah passing the baton to his successor, um, Elisha. Elisha. So, so can you? I wish they could come up with names that sounded a little bit more different. I know. It's just. It's so. Anyways, it's like it, Chris and curse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's right. So, uh, so there they are. And then we have Second Corinthians, and then we have Second Corinthians chapter four. We, yeah, but come no, on, no, me, the point is we're, we're introducing oh. the readings. We're okay. introducing well, I was the already, readings. Dude. I was come already on. into full-on exegetical mode. So. I saw you getting ahead of yourself, and I was like, dude, nobody knows what else is going on. So we're looking at Second Corinthians. Reel it in. Second Corinthians chapter four, verses three through six, and then we have Mark chapter nine, verses two through nine, and uh, which is the transfiguration. Now, now, Aaron, you can go back to um, uh, <laughs> you, Second I'm, Kings, where we're you. talking about Elijah and Elisha. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, and uh, and their so, sister. Uh, Eliba, uh, not not well known, uh, but but the parents were just not that creative. Actually, no, they weren't actually related. But anyways, uh, by the way, but I want our listeners Eli- to know that Jake has he's reorganized his office and he can't look at me in the computer screen now. So I'm just watching the side of Jake's face as he's looking in the computer, and so I just feel like he's like checking his Bloomberg stock terminal while I'm trying to teach the Bible. It's okay, Jake. It's okay. You you look good in profile. So So anyways, Elijah and Elisha, they're there. And we learn that there's there's three cities. They're they're on their way from Gilgal. They're going to Bethel. And they also are going to Jericho. And what Mm -hmm. we learn is that there are communities of prophets. That this was almost like a I mean, like maybe monastic communities, sort of, or religious communities. And, you know, we know the big prophets, but there were 
lots of prophets because it says mm-hmm. at this point like there was a company of prophets and uh uh who were at Jericho, Drew Neater, Elisha, that whole thing. Not to be not to be confused with a company of minstrels ah. in so, but maybe the same thing. But anyway, keep going. Can I continue? Yeah, sorry. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, Elijah is planning on retiring here, and he kind of knows what's happening. And, uh, and Elisha is told several times the company of prophets at Bethel and the company of prophets at Jericho. They all are like, hey, guy, do you know that Elijah's leaving? And so, um, and Elijah's like, yeah, I know. Shh. Because uh, Elijah and Elisha are about to have kind of this uh, negotiation. Uh, but it, it's sort of funny. Elijah kind of wants to go off into the into the night and mm-hmm. not be seen and elisha says no um i'm not gonna let you go and anyways there's a there's a thing where he rolls up his mantle like his his poncho basically and strikes the water and they cross on dry ground and this is supposed to telegraph to us that elijah is kind of like moses crossing the river jordan same river same place mm-hmm. And that Elisha is going to be the successor, Joshua. So again, this is probably way more than you can say to your congregation. I think if I were if I were going to say anything about this, I would use it as a way to set up what we're going to see the transfiguration. Because what do you learn about Elijah? Is that Elijah is a prophet, and the ministry of prophets, which continues to Elisha, uh, the ministry of prophets was one to remind people of the law of God, and that uh, they needed to listen to the law of God and follow the law of God and obey the law of God. And Elijah, who did some amazing things, calling out fire from heaven to kind of uh, smack down the prophets of Baal, and Elijah did some great things. But Elijah ultimately was sort of unsuccessful in that he did not turn around the nation of Israel. He did not turn around the heart of King Ahab. And then he passes his ministry to Elisha, who will also do some amazing things. And by the way, read on in Second Kings, because this is the point where he gets made fun of because of his receding hairline. And he calls upon a she-bear to devour the youths. If you've ever yelled at kids to get off your lawn, Elisha is your guy because he took it to the next level. But anyways, Elisha also is, in a sense, not successful because his prophetic ministry to get people to obey the God, the law of God also doesn't work ultimately in any sort of permanent, lasting sense. And the prophetic ministry continues, continues, continues until it ends uh, at the end um, with uh, Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament. And it doesn't work. And so when, we, I'm kind of skipping forward, but when we get to the transfiguration where Jesus appears on the Mount of Transfiguration with Elijah and Moses, it's going to be significant that God says, this is my son about Jesus, listen to him, not this is my son, the latest in the long line of prophets who's just as cool as Elijah and Moses, and you should listen to all of them together because they're equally valuable. That is not what God says. So to the extent that you use the Second Kings passage, I think it's to set up and explain the ministry of prophets and to say that ultimately, while their ministry was important, it was important because it was a precursor to point us to Jesus Christ, end of speech. Yeah, I yeah, absolutely. Um, that's that's absolutely right. Um, I mean, this is this connects and and it tells you that there's like um that that the the Bible is connected and you interpret the Bible through the Bible. So like uh, Kings, you interpret Kings through the book of Genesis. And so like you said, Elisha, uh, Elijah is a type of Moses, you know, the, the culmination of all the prophets, prophets. Elisha is uh, the new, like, if you will, Joshua. They cross the Jordan, just like uh, 
like jo- uh, like Joshua did with his people, and um, and um, Elijah splits the water just like Moses did, and they go to Jer- Jericho, which is a foreshadow of the first place that um, uh, Joshua went to, and uh, the king um, uh, the king is a is a type of Pharaoh. But I think what, yeah, I would tie this into the transfiguration by saying that um, God is um, always speaking and God is always uh, n- never leaving his people without a witness, whether it's Moses and Joshua, whether it's Elijah and Elisha, and now uh, Christ in you. And so he is always uh, speaking to his people and uh, that this finds its ultimate fulfillment in, um, in Jesus. Yep, and you know, a final thing here that uh, happens in the story is that Elisha asks for a double portion of the spirit that Elijah has. So Elijah has this spirit of prophecy, this spirit mm-hmm. of God, and um, Elisha asks for more, which is interesting. The text doesn't say why necessarily, but it, uh, you know, I think one could surmise that Elisha feels like the job is so hard, he needs more. Uh, it was traditional in an inheritance for an older son to get the bigger portion of the father's inheritance, kind of the double portion. So he's kind of using those terms and basically saying, this prophetic ministry is tough. I, you were amazing, but even you didn't have everybody fall in line, and so I'm going to need more. And I think it points to, again, like I said, the prophetic ministry, just kind of telling people, even when divinely inspired, telling people to get their act together, which is essentially what the prophets did, doesn't work. Uh, that we're going to need more, and we're going to need the spirit of God in us, which is what Jesus comes to do. So yeah, and that and that that mantle indeed uh, we cannot carry. Mm. Uh, that mantle is crushing, and uh, and so we need uh, the words of our Savior, who says, "Come to me, all you who are heavy burdened, and I will refresh you. Take mm. my yoke upon you, for my burden is easy and my yoke is light." And uh, that uh, Jesus is the one who has bore our burdens. And in exchange for that, we get an inheritance that's everlasting life. Amen. And so now we come to the Second Corinthians reading. You know, we did a few weeks in First Corinthians in the season of Epiphany, uh, just picking out passages. And now we've skipped way into the uh, in, into the middle kind of, of Second Corinthians. There were several letters from Paul to the church in Corinth and back from them to him. We only have these two letters, and we label them 1st and 2nd Corinthians. Um, This letter is Paul writing to this congregation with whom he's had a deep but also conflicted relationship and a complex relationship. They have been, um, well, what can I say, human beings. And uh, uh, now Paul is sort of writing this letter, which is supposed to show a little bit of a reconciliation that's happening. And But he still has to deal with other things. That's kind of just context. Doesn't really have much to bear with this passage. Other than to say, one of the ongoing issues is that there are always people who criticize Paul, and there are people in the Corinthian church who don't really think Paul is legit, or they think he's okay, but he's not the best. They almost treat pastors like collecting baseball cards, and you want the good baseball cards, not the kind of second-rate ones. And um, you, so in this, in this, yeah, so Paul is saying um, that, uh, look, we don't proclaim ourselves, we proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord, because this is not about us. Kind of piggybacking on an issue we talked about last week in the First Corinthians passage of Paul versus the super apostles and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, uh, you know, and you see this even today. 
uh, the celebrity pastor. And, uh, you know, if, if, if Hollywood superstars can't handle celebrity, what makes you think pastors can as well? You know, and um, um, I just recently read about, um, about a, a very popular, well, there's, there, I read a story about Justin Bieber thinking about going into the ministry, you know, and he's going to straighten things out and everything like that at the Hillsong East campus. And, uh, and you know, but the, the, the point is, is that, that Paul is saying we don't talk about ourselves. You know, if you're out there giving advice, if you're out there talking about the latest New York Times and what, what everybody should be doing or what you're doing about it, then you're proclaiming yourself. And rather, Paul lays down your job as a minister. We proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your slaves for Jesus' sake. You know, the, that's the message, and this is what this is what um, this is what uh, what Paul's talking about. And the reason why this ties into the transfiguration is because uh, Moses, if you remember, asked uh, to to receive the glory of God and have that glory of God revealed to him, and uh, God had to put him in a cleft of a rock and pass over him. And from that moment on, uh, like his glory. Uh, was uh, Moses' face shone with glory, but it was always fading. But the message that we proclaim is the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus, you mm -hmm. know, and that glory never fades. As a matter of fact, it has been, uh, it is now at the right hand of the Father permanently, and uh, that's part of the transfiguration is a preview of that. In our yep. age, though, interestingly enough, that glory is hidden, and it appears as a crucified uh, Jewish rabbi, Nazarene. And uh, so our message is the message of the cross. Our message is the message of the glory of God that shines in the darkness, which right now shines from a very dark place, a hill outside of Golgotha. Yep, and so the the way you, if you want to connect the passage from Second Kings and Second Corinthians, one of the things you can talk about is uh, the prophetic ministry of Elijah and Elisha, which comes and is able to reach some people, but not ultimately wholly successful, because the the sort of project of the nation of Israel never really gets back on its feet. Um, the what you then see in Second Corinthians is again this idea of preaching. And some people receive it and some people don't. Some people see it and some people don't. And Paul says that his gospel is veiled, just like Moses' face was veiled after seeing the glory of God because his face was glowing so brightly. And the idea that Paul is hitting at here is that um, for that veil to be removed, that is God's work. And it's God who has to, as he says at the end of this passage, has to give the light of knowledge. And so the gospel is veiled. The message is not always heard. And so because some people are blind, as he says, and there needs to be a, be a revealing. So as we end the season of Epiphany, this is a really great passage to talk about the need for the revealing of who Jesus is that we can understand, understand that. And then, of course, we get to the Mark passage where we see who is the one that does the revealing. And in this passage, which reveals so clearly the glory of God and um, this Trinitarian uh, <coughs> theophany, Trinitarian appearance of God. So we see the cloud, uh, which um, is the how God appears in the Old Testament often and is also associated with the spirit. Uh, and then you have the voice uh, coming from heaven of God the Father saying, this is my son. So you have this Trinitarian understanding yeah. of God. This is why the Trinity wasn't something that was made up by, you know, the Nicene Council and the 
third or fourth century. It's it's how the the Christian Church um, from the earliest days understood God. But yeah. anyways, uh, the don't make this Trinity Sunday sermon. We'll save that for Trinity Sunday. Uh, but I think you know one of the things that that you can say to this is that that understanding who God is is as you've said, Jake, in this in this podcast. Uh, um, Light shining out of darkness, God coming to us in these dark places, namely a cross uh, outside of Jerusalem on a hill. This is something that is hard for us to understand because we want God to come and be the 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 magician, the the problem solver, um, the advice giver, the life coach, and instead we have a God that comes and dies for us. And mm. this is why Jesus stands alone and stands above Moses and Elijah. So that's why when you see him appear with these other two heavy hitters, um, Peter is like us. He wants to see them all as sort of the same, and he wants to stay up there because these there's a you know three are better than one. So let's stay up here and. Maybe charge people to come see us. Um, and uh, Jesus wants to say, and and God the Father will indicate this, that these are not three identical equivalent, equivalent things, that Jesus Christ is different. And that's why the voice says, this is my son, the beloved, listen to him. Not this is my son, the beloved, along with some other really great guys, and you should listen to all of them equally. Um, yeah. This, I this think is there's... the one we have to hear. I think this is a very uh, this is a great passage, and um, and there's a reason why it's on the last Sunday of Epiphany. It's because um, yeah, three days later we begin a Ash Wednesday, and we begin our season of penance, and um, and uh, and so on our way to Easter, our journey for forty days on the way to Easter. Because remember, the liturgy reminds us that we're brought into God's story, mm-hmm. not us bringing God into His story, and. Um, I don't know about you, but uh, one of the things that I got back into during the during the COVID pandemic is I have been uh, rewatching all of the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies mm. and um, making my way, getting ready for um, uh, getting ready for uh, uh, for uh, Phase Four and Phase Five. And uh, but so um, Marvel just released all of the previews for uh, Phase Four and uh, and then revealed what the movies that they're going to have in Phase Five, and I got like super excited. I'm like, dude, I cannot wait to watch WandaVision. I can't wait to see the new Doctor Strange. All of these things. It got really. It, it's amazing what's coming out, and Marvel's doing a great job. Thank you, Disney. But um, I uh, but this is what the Transfiguration is. I haven't seen the whole movie, and I cannot wait. Uh, but the transfiguration is a preview mm. of the glory that is to come. You know what I mean? It's a preview. Uh, the cross is because we're hardwired is a, is is a hard is a hard word for us to swallow that that's the glory of God. And so we get a preview of what the real glory of God is. And I think that that becomes an enabling word that uh, that in Jesus's you know what he's speaking with uh, he's speaking with Moses and Elijah about his. It says they're talking here, but in other other gospels it says they speak of his departure. They're mm-hmm. speaking of his exodus and how he fulfills that, and ultimately um, uh, is glorified by the Father. And this is a preview of that. This is a word that says as you enter into your Lenten journey. This is a word as you enter into just the Lent that is life in this new reality because of pandemics and craziness. That um, that uh, there is a glory that's to come. And uh, it is all yours. And uh, right now it's hidden 
it's hidden, um, but a soon, very soon to be fully revealed, like Wanda and Vision, like, uh, you know, like um, uh, Black Panther 2, soon to be fully re revealed. But now we get the word from heaven. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. And uh, that same word delivered at the beginning of Epiphany. And that same word given to you uh, by virtue of your baptism. So uh, just hang on. Hang mm. on. Yes, and I think, you know, the the point that we are headed straight into Lent, some of your folks may not be able to come to Ash Wednesday, uh, so I always use this Sunday as kind of a pre-Lenten kind of prep. Uh, and and the, the motion here, the dynamic at the beginning of the service with the first reading taking you with Elijah up into heaven on a chariot of fire, and then at the end of this of these readings, you have um, Jesus on a mountain revealed in his glory, but then he goes down. Uh, and so there's kind of this going up and this going down, and and this is as we head into Lent. Um, this is, in the old way of things, this would have been called, like, what is it, Quinquagesima Sunday, or I don't know. Yeah, who knows? All those different things about, like, getting ready for Lent. So, um, yeah, just letting people know we're entering into a time that, again, will help people, and we'll get into this when we get into Lent, Ash Wednesday Lent, that it's a time that helps us put theological and liturgical um, uh, understanding around what so much of life is like, because so much of life is, hey, it's we're on a mountaintop, and it's great, and if you're not on the mountaintop, mm -hmm. you're doing something wrong. Uh, but so much of life, as you say, Jake, is Lent. It, it's a mm -hmm. Lenten life in many ways, and so... But we have these moments where we see Christ revealed in his glory. This is one of them. And we know that this is the one who is for us, but does not stay up on the mountain, but comes down to be with us, live our lives, and to give himself for us. And that's what we always got to point to. Good. Well, that well, is, um, that's, that's, a, that's a good place to stop. Stay tuned, dear listener, and uh, check your podcast feed because a special um, Ash Wednesday same old song should be dropping any moment now. That's right. And uh, remember, Wakanda forever. <laughs> That's right. Also, God bless. Somebody's looking. Somebody cares. Somebody wonders what you're doing today. You know we crucified him, buried him. But three days later, well, the stone got rolled away. And yes, Thanks for listening to Same Old Song. Hope you found some gospel nuggets for the pulpit or for your life. If you like what you heard, leave a review or rating in Apple Podcasts. Dave Zoll will be sad if you don't. Thanks to TJ Hester for audio production. And remember to keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.